morning, church. Thank you for your giving. Troy, thanks for that great word. Uh, Psalm 118 and 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, my name is Paul, and I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. It's so good to see every single one of your faces this morning. Uh, thank you for those who are live, stream, live streaming as well. Uh, we're just thankful that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us in worship today. And we are incredibly grateful for every volunteer that continues to embrace the privilege of being inconvenienced to serve as unto the Lord. And to every victory group leader and all of the participants who extend this corporate moment uh, with weekly gatherings to pray and share testimonies and to fellowship. Thank you as well. We actually just finished the fall session of uh, our victory group. So can we give God a praise for, for that? Uh, we'll be taking a break, though how many know we don't take breaks from fellowship, uh, but we will be taking a more formal break in terms of giving the leaders a chance to catch their breath a little bit, and we'll resume uh, on January 12th, I believe, and that date is on the website as well. So thank you for serving and thank you for being here. We, we had a moment last night that I'll just share briefly here with all of the Victory Group leaders and coordinators where we just acknowledged and sat with the fact that we're finishing our first year of weekly services at Victory Church. Isn't that cool? And among many shared testimonies, some of which were that 12 that we know of individuals, maybe some of you sitting here today throughout this year, decided that Jesus would be your choice. That happened this year, and we're grateful. Eight baptisms, we're grateful. Uh, 10 serving opportunities in terms of the teams here. We're grateful. Nine victory groups were grateful. And more qualitatively, things that you can't exactly pin down, relationships established with each other in the community. And we're just looking forward with anticipation and expectation for what God will do in 2020. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 25 and then to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If that sounds or looks familiar, it's because Neve Woods just did an amazing job leading us in reading both of those scriptures. And so we are going to revisit them in Lectio Divina fashion, which in seminary they taught us is a reading of the word where you go over and over and over and over that same passage. And so uh, we'll go over and over twice that same passage or those same passages. Uh, And as you're finding that, and it'll be on the screens as well, uh, we'll just ask God to help us to see what's in your law, Lord Jesus. Psalm 119 and 18, uh, the psalmist says just that. Open up our eyes, because if you don't open, we can't see. If you don't open our ears, we can't hear that which you have for all of us today. As we read your word and, and, and discuss your word, Uh, May there be a fresh application to our lives. What may be familiar or common or unfamiliar and perhaps new, let there be a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit that blows on our study and discussion such that we leave different than we came and the applied Word of God changes us as a result of the hearing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have the NIV today, I think, (laughs) 
on my iPad. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I don't know what version I was reading. I think it might have been NRSV and ESV kind of mashed up because I like to read all the versions and didn't have the NIV in my iPad. But if not, it's on the screen. So let's together read, beginning with Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, Jesus is real. Last week, we talked about how the prophet Isaiah, we looked at Isaiah chapter 9, and how 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, he's telling the people of Israel what was in the forecast. The Bible, as a short parenthetical, is an ama- there's no other book like it. You have over 1,400 years, 40 different writers on three or so different continents, and the message is singular. Jesus is Lord. He'll meet us where we are. I can't predict what I'm going to do this weekend. Here's Isaiah, 700 plus years prior to the birth of Christ, saying with accuracy that which would happen. And so last week we, 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 we talked about how he was essentially saying to them, yes, there's gloom, the economy's bad, because of your disobedience and turning away from Jesus, you're dealing with some craziness, but there's glory for, for that gloom. He told them there'd be a king that would come, but this king would be unlike any other king they could have expected or wanted. They, of course, would want somebody to deliver them from their earthly situations, fix the economy, Stop this oppression from these other nations. And Isaiah was saying, yes, yes, I can say that and so much more. 
How many know God always blows our expectations out of the water? A sobering reminder, I think, for all of us, Isaiah 55 says it this way, and I'll paraphrase, his thoughts are not ours, his ways are not ours. In fact, they're higher. In other words, we're not him at all. He's always outside of the box that we might try to put him in. 700 years plus before the birth of Christ, Isaiah is saying, a child will be born, a son given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. There'd be authority and rulership that we can rely on. And his name will be called, as we shared last week, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting or Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And a point that we didn't really get an opportunity to accentuate last Sunday was that the greatness of his government will never end. And that it would be accomplished by the zeal of God, his intense devotion to the Israelites, to you and to me, would prompt him to vindicate us by fulfilling his promises. He would reign in righteousness and justice would reign forever. What an awesome God we serve. Our privilege, you and I here in the earth, is to be extensions of or agents of said righteousness and justice. And I know just by being around so many of you here in the room, Uh, that I learned from what that actually looks like. As a parent, I learned what, what it looks like to be an extension of Jesus and his rulership in and through us in the earth today. As an educator, as uh, uh, I'm not in law, but those of you in law, I watch practice in such a way that you are bearing the image of God such that his righteousness and justice can persist here in the earth. Service roles, administration, medicine, law, business, etc. God is using us as his hands and feet to administer as he would his rulership in righteousness and in justice. And now we fast forward 700 plus years from Isaiah's prophecy to Matthew's gospel where he's explaining just how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And so this morning I want to focus on three things, how hearing helps how belief blesses and how faith functions. Hearing helps, belief blesses, and faith functions. I may have, at times growing up, been that kid who had to hear from my parents or other significant adult influence in my life. Did you hear what I said? Which was like that slight sort of moment of benefit of the doubt. Like maybe if you didn't hear me, I'm going to give you a slight minute to figure out what it was that I just said and then decide and ponder whether or not you're going to believe and have faith in what I said I'm going to do or not do. How many know what's better to hear and do? Amen. The word of God is good to read and hear and just do. I like to say that I always did that, but no, I didn't. Nah, but I eventually got the message. But there was a moment, as is for all of us, where we get to decide, am I going to believe what's been heard? And is that belief, which essentially means that we have fully been persuaded by that thing, is it going to translate into some action? Romans 10 and 17 says, faith comes by hearing and what is heard through the word of Christ. And we are fortunate to hear the word of God often. Prayerfully in our study, every single day we're hearing the word. From here, we're hearing the word. In our victory groups, we're hearing the word. And this morning, as we shared with our volunteer team, I, I, am in, I am even more grateful, if possible, today than yesterday about being able to hear the word. Because just last week, 
uh, today's Sunday, a few days ago, Wednesday, we have a monthly prayer call with all of the church planters and our Every Nation family. For one hour, we pray for each other. We pray for our, the missionaries that are overseas. And there was one update that we received about a gentleman in, in the, uh, the, the family of churches who is overseas and in the Middle East in a place where he'd been in prison for preaching the gospel. And praise God, he was let out of prison, but they said, you're about to go back and you're going to go back for five more years. And so our prayer was, God, should he try to escape? And if so, give him wisdom. His wife and his kids certainly want him to. Or if he's to say, God, give him wisdom. But it made me think there's persecution on that end because the gospel is wanting to be blocked. There are people not hearing. And here we are getting to open up in this public space without fear of persecution the word of God, and hear well. Lord, help me to appreciate more so the privilege that we get to break the bread of life, that which does the salvific work in our lives because there is no other. We get to hear the word often. And yet there can be a disconnect from the hearing or between the hearing and the belief and action on that said belief. Not unlike the Israelites from last week's text in Isaiah 9 or unlike Mary and Joseph in this text, what we can hear can sometimes be disconnected or seem disconnected from the reality and the logical framework through which we filter what we've heard to then determine whether or not we're going to believe and act on it. And so we can stop at just hearing. I imagine when the Israelites were told by Isaiah, hey, 700 plus years from now, there's going to be a, a child born and a son given. That all of them weren't just on board with that. Some of them probably said, have you taken a look around at the mess that we are in? What are you talking about? Some might even say to me or you, have you looked around, Paul? Do you, do you see the layers of dysfunction in the city we call home? Do you not recognize massive resistance, for example, was just 60 years ago? I don't think Isaiah, the prophet, was in denial, but he was rather embracing a truth that was greater than the reality that existed in that moment. How about you and me? Sometimes it goes further. We'll say that we believe. Believe Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. And though it is a full uh, persuasion of a thing, it may not always manifest for whatever reason in some active faith. Because faith does and it is active. To our text, imagine Mary and Joseph pledged to be married to each other. They're engaged, if you will. And before they consummated that marriage, Mary gets pregnant. Now, if we jump over to the Gospel of Luke for a moment in the first chapter that we didn't read, but some context for this larger narrative, we can see that Mary did, in fact, get a chance to hear the news herself before it would ever happen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, hearing helps. Hearing helps. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth which was in Galilee, to Mary, who was, as we know, a virgin. And he tells her this, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is from Luke 1. Mary heard this as evidenced by her response to this in verse 34 of chapter 1 where she said, how will this happen? How will this happen? And just another short parenthetical, I'm convinced through scripture that, that God, he, he, he welcomes questions 
It's really the tenor and tone of our questioning, particularly when it's accusatory that we might find ourselves in trouble. But Mary does, in fact, ask the question. She says, how, how will this happen? I'm a virgin. How is this going to work? And the angel Gabriel responds this way. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. No word of God, Mary, will ever fail. And Mary's response is incredible. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, if that doesn't convict you and me, how about the next time the Lord says something to you? I'm going to provide for you. May your word to me, Lord, be fulfilled. I'm your servant. Your marriage that you think is gone, I can fix it. I'm your servant, Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. You fill in the blank for you. That response is incredible. May your word to us be fulfilled. Now, when Mary was visiting with her relative Elizabeth, as it goes on to talk about, and Elizabeth would be the mother of John the Baptist, he who prepared the way for Jesus Christ. She was six months pregnant at this time, and Mary goes to visit her, and Scripture says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb, at the time Mary saw her, jumped And she was full of the Holy Spirit, and in many ways she began to confirm that which the angel Gabriel had said to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary's hearing definitely helped, but her belief is what opened up the door for blessing to come in. And so one parenthetical question slash challenge for us this morning is, what truths from the word of God have we heard Perhaps over and over and over again, but it still doesn't have our belief. Lord, help us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, when we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, then we are, we're saved. How many know that belief blesses? That's good news. We don't have to go to hell. Anybody excited about that? I mean, I'm just saying, that's kind of a reason to be a little excited about Belief blesses. And later in the chapter, it said Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months as we make our way up to the text that we read publicly today. Uh, We're not sure why Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months, which gives us a little bit of license to have some fun there. Some say, oh, she stayed because she was six months pregnant. She stayed till the birth of the baby. But if we read further in that narrative, it kind of goes on about the birth of John the Baptist without any mention of Mary. So many think, no, she probably wasn't even there. So why did she stay? I like to think a sister wanted to get her story together. (laughs) Like, I believe you, God, but homeboy is back home and I got to go to him and tell him I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Let me take a minute. (laughs) Let me take a minute and think about what that story is going to sound like and how I'm going to deliver to him that which I believe. And I imagine even if we were Joseph, right? And, and, And if you and I were Joseph, and we'll segue to what Joseph, in fact, said. And Mary comes and said, hey, um, so, uh, (laughs) I'm pregnant. Uh, but wait, as an A, it's, it's by the Holy Spirit. If you and I were Joseph, what might we say? As an age, somebody in the crowd, not from the Bible. I'm talking to you, literally saying some of your names. <laughs> not scripture. If you and I were Joseph, how might we respond? We might take that, what's the, that T.D. Jakes, it's scripture, but T.D. Jakes took that thing and ran with it. Woman, thou art loosed. <laughs> not from infirmity, which is the context of that scripture, but you're loose, be gone, you crazy. 
you and I. Joseph, on the other hand, the brother was on a different page. Let's go back to Matthew 1, 18 and 25 that we read. Verse 19 specifically says, Because he was faithful to the law, other versions say he was a noble, he was a righteous brother, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, depending on where you were, adultery, which this was, because when you were engaged, that was as sacred as having already been married. It could be, in Egypt, for example, dealt with by cutting your nose off. In other spaces, cutting your nose and your ears off. That's how they dealt with what they considered this particularly heinous crime, and in some spaces, even death. So Joseph, faithful to the law, says, yes, I'm going to distance myself from her, but you know what? I'm not even going to state explicitly the cause. Again, if you and I were Joseph, I'm about to tweet, Facebook, it wasn't me. <laughs> Y'all need to know how this really went down. Not Joseph. Didn't want to specify the cause so as not to make her a public disgrace. Wow. Challenge, Paul. Get your faith up. Where are you? But after he considered this, it says he heard something. Again, hearing helps. And perhaps before we run into major decisions in our own lives, another little parenthetical, we would be so inclined to ensure that we're hearing well. And not just in the moments, because I think we're all guilty of finding, I need to make this decision, Lord, help me. Y'all fast and pray with me now. And fasting and praying is great, and we'll talk about that later. But it's about hearing the word of God, Psalm 1, Joshua 1 and 8, studying on his word, uh, meditating on his word day and night. Then we know the voice of God. Our frequency is tuned in. Before anything, we are tuned in and hearing well to him, which means we got to read our Bibles every day. Joseph heard something. An angel of the Lord had appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet, again, Isaiah, said in chapter 7, verse 14, about 740 years ago, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then it says, Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. How many of us would have been like, oh, that was bad pizza? <laughs> <laughs> It's in a dream, right? You wake up with crazy dreams. You're like, oh, no. Missed a dose of something. Vivid dream. Like, no. That can't be. Joseph woke up and it said he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Took Mary as his wife. Faith, y'all, functions. That which we say we believe then ought to become active. He acted on what he heard and believed. And it wasn't just that he decided he'd marry her. In Luke's retelling of the story, to, to, to shift to that space, he recalls that the Roman emperor Caesar had called for this census. And I can digress here for a minute, but I think about all of what God is doing behind your and my back to accomplish his purpose in our lives. If we don't recognize already, I hope today we recognize stop striving. To fulfill in Micah, I believe it's chapter 5, that talked about the, 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 the king who would come from, from Bethlehem, Nazareth. Micah 5, I think around verse 9. The Roman Caesar does what's never been done. There's a census. What did that do? It took them a 
up to where they needed to be to fulfill the prophecy of where Jesus would be born. Isn't that something? God is at work even now behind your back in ways like Joseph could never see and you and I could never see to help fulfill what he's called us to do here in the earth. I'll say amen to the word of God if you don't, because that is encouraging. God, I don't have control, so help me to release it. Because you're doing a whole lot of stuff. Caesar comes up, calls for this sentence. Why? I don't know. But except the prophet said however many years ago, this was going to happen in this way. This brings then Mary and Joseph pregnant 90 miles from where they were, from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, as is referenced in Micah 5. And this is where Joseph is from. Now, this made me think, if y'all can go with me for a quick parenthetical Back to the moment when my wife and I, we were pregnant with our first child and we had a few false alarms. Uh, that means we went to the hospital with some contractions, painful. I didn't know how they felt, but I believe, you know, like they're hard. Um, I try to stay away from that. I'm like, gosh, I'm messing up already. Just fix it, fix it. I don't know how to. Uh, but we went and they said, um, not yet. Go home. I think we had a second one, right? Like false alarms. It was like two, maybe. One really, really bad one. And go back home. And the doctor said, hey, when you have that, next time walk. Just try to just walk, walk. So here I am doing my fatherly version of nesting, right? Thinking about what to paint, what to fix, what could I get from Home Depot? So when we had another moment, I said, well, um, doctor said to walk. So, and we need some bookshelves and I need to put this together. So why don't we go to Home Depot? And you can walk the big aisles of Home Depot. New husbands what not to do. <laughs> not a good idea. But I thought about that just up and down the aisles of Home Depot and how difficult that was. Joseph and Mary, they're trekking like 90, 65 to 90 miles from where they were in Nazareth up to Bethlehem to Joseph's hometown where they had to go to be counted in this census. Lord, help. Joseph's faith had to function. And I thought about, he's going back to his hometown where his ancestors were. Faith sometimes functions in the face of opposition that might seem real logical that you then have to say, I know what I heard. I know what the word of God says. Joseph's going home. Now picture me, your neighborhood, whatever that looked like, your family that you went home to see for Thanksgiving or perhaps going home for Christmas, or maybe you don't see them and you're okay with that. Whatever scenario and space you occupy, think about people who know you well. Isn't that Joseph coming? Yeah, that's his wife. You heard what happened, right? No, she pregnant. Talking about it's the Holy Spirit. And he believed her. Can you imagine? And he's going back into that space. We always knew he was naive. Brother couldn't find, I guess he couldn't find nobody. So he's just going to take whatever he can get. <laughs> Joseph, what's up, bro? Good to see you, baby boy. How you doing, man? So good to see you. Hey, happy, what? happy life. Happy wife is a happy life. Just remember that you're good, man. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, he crazy. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying. He is out of his mind. He had to go home, no doubt facing ridicule and, 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 and this. Anybody ever have to face that when you're trying to follow what God's told you to do? Hello, Victory Church. You're going to do what, Paul? You're on a tenure track doing just fine. Everything is all well. What? What? Hey, that's good. Do God's work. Do God's work. Do God's work. <laughs> What's that look like for you? And how do you stand? On the word of God, which Isaiah also talks about, not returning void. He's going to accomplish that, which he's set it out to do. So we might as well stand and run with it. Anybody have any experience with not? Hello, Jonah. We can digress, but where are we in that? And I am, I am floored by the blessing that we have in believing the word of God. 
We're blessed by our belief that he lives and that we get to live again because of his birth, his death, and his resurrection. That's the blessing that we get to receive. And so like the apostle Paul, I am going to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Nothing that I could ever do. How about you? How might our faith increase today? And as we close, verse 7 in Luke 2, which actually we're going to pick up on more next week, but I'll say this in closing. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I'll go back to our kids. When we first had our firstborn, and if you don't know about swaddling, it's an art. (laughs) You get these blankets, and I was all about crafting, like working on my craft to swaddle this baby like the best burrito you would ever see walking around. Tucked that thing in here, worked on that thing, had it down. Dr. Carp, is that his name? The five S's, you know, when you sue the crying baby? No, nobody. Watch all the videos. We're going to know how to do this right. Second baby, by then we were like, look, we can buy one that Velcros. They'll be fine. (laughs) I don't even know if he got swallowed that much. Actually, and the third one is just on her own. Let's be real. (laughs) You good. (laughs) But never would we have just without thought placed any of those babies anywhere. Precious. Precious. I'll move quickly here. And those babies that we love dearly and would do anything for, a star didn't announce their birth. Love them. Folks weren't coming from here or there to worship and give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I said, if Jesus only get three gifts, we tell our kids, y'all ain't getting more than that. And you ain't him. You might just get the myrrh. You know, that's it. One gift. Pick it. The star didn't announce their birth. But here, Jesus is being born. And where was he laid? In a manger. Livestock were raised. Animals in there. Our Savior. The one responsible for reconciling us to Jesus Christ. Was birthed on. Good gracious. Beyond the margins. thought about that. I said, well, hmm. He who reconciles us, and then 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 talks about us being given the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, what then does it look like for the reconciliation we seek to be birthed in the margins? As a church, what does that mean? If the one announced by stars, the one whose salvific work would give us the opportunity to be free from the penalty of sin and later the power of sin and someday the presence of sin could be birthed in this space, that which we would call the margins of our community, what might it look for the supernatural to be birthed there through that space? We're going to talk about what that might look like in coming, in coming weeks or next week to be specific. As we close, Jesus is in fact real. And if you are sitting here and you already believe that, how does your faith function? That's meant to be an encouragement. Why? Because we know we have faith in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He can do nothing but succeed. He can't fail. He's a way maker. Our worship team sings. So if you already believe, in what spaces 
is your faith not functioning in ways that it could? And if you don't believe, today is a great day for the best decision of your life. I imagine a community that hears well, that believes, and whose faith is active in a God who can do anything but fail. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the season where we get to accentuate the coming of the Son of God and what that meant and means for us today. We celebrate afresh all the days of our lives and particularly with some emphasis in this season, what your coming represents to us. And we thank you for the example in this text of Mary and Joseph and what it means to hear well, even when it defies our logic, what it means for our belief to reap blessing, eternal life, and more, because you are just a God that continues to give, but that is enough. And God, how our faith will function because of said belief and said hearing. May we, this group of human beings who desire to be conduits through whom your Holy Spirit can flow, hear well that we get into this word every single day of our lives and allow you to speak to us the way that you want to. And as we hear, God, may we believe in faith and may that faith translate into action, whatever that action is called to be by your word. And in so doing, may we experience the reality of your power, your, your presence being made manifest in ways that are supernatural. With eyes closed and heads bowed, there may be some here today for whom you've never really confessed with any degree of confidence and persuasion that Jesus is real. And certainly there hasn't been any action associated with that belief. If you want to today accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, raise your hand really high. So we can pray with you this morning. Second group we want to pray for are those who know Jesus. You believe your faith is active and you're saying to yourself, and there are some places where I can believe you more. There are some places where our faith can function more. If that's you, shoot your hand up so we can pray with and for you. Yeah, most of us. Most of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God that, again, we can freely listen to and hear through the, the ears of our heart what it is you have for us. Thank you for the word that came in power amidst chaos that can still come amidst chaos in our lives. Help us to hear you well amidst the gloom that we may be experiencing that we talked about last week. And help us respond as Mary and Joseph so incredibly did in faith. We're your servants. May your word be fulfilled. May we wake up, get up, and go and do as you've commanded because of the word of God. We declare that today with new faith in the areas that we all can attest to in our lives where it is defying logic to do so in faith. But we know we serve a God who completely turns upside on its head, logic, 
whose path in this, this sanctification process is anything but logical. It's all countercultural. Help us to live through that paradigm. May that be the reality through which we walk. And as we do, Lord, may your power do what only your power can do. Shake up, reconcile those to you, and through that reconciliation to each other where other efforts with man's strategy and ability have failed yours knows nothing else but to destroy, as you did, the walls of hostility, as you did in the book of Ephesians. Thank you in advance for that. And the privilege we get, we are in awe of, in fact, that privilege that we even get to partner with you. You'd allow us that. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. And oh, what the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, continues to mean for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I said I was going to mention...